as Walter makes a run ahead of it. Bergkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Bergkamp! That's magnificent! Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello and welcome to a Bergkamp Wonderland. We are an Arsenal podcast. And if you didn't tune into the live video of this show, you just missed out. What did you miss out on? I'm not going to tell you. Get your lazy ass over to YouTube, click the bell, hit subscribe, get your notifications on and watch it. You lazy bastards. My name is Chris. I am your host. And I've got three fine gentlemen waiting to enter me this evening. You heard that right. <laughs> First of all, the one I would probably least like to enter me on any sort of day, cold, hot or indifferent, is Danny. Hello, Danny. Uh, hello, dear boy. It's lovely to have you here. Uh, only three of us are here to talk podcast, Arsenal and stuff. One of us is here just to go, nah, 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 nah. I told you Man City wouldn't win every game. So ask him <laughs> and then he can go. He's probably got some vegan hot pot on the go. I'm fine, Chris. You're looking lovely today. We've got to get on with this next. We do, yes. We're on a very strict time limit this evening. All thanks to me because I'm the star of the show. But we need other stars of the show, of course, that does bring us on to our wonderful, um, how, how, how can I put it delicately, our wonderful speaker of the people, Mr. Josh Dorr. Josh, how are you, sir? Oh, I didn't know who we were going to go to next. Um, yeah, I am very well. Made sure I was here for, as Danny has already spoiled, my I told you so moment. Yes, yes, you have. I, I don't actually know what you're going to be, I told you so, about, but we'll come on to that shortly, I am sure. And I see you have been defending the wonderful females of the game today, and well done to you for that. Go to Josh's timeline if you want to hear what that's all about. Um, and speaking of defending the females or just rubbing them up the wrong way, whichever way you look at it, brings us nicely on to John. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm very good. I'm also here to say I told you so, but more about... <clears throat> A certain Italian who might be Brazilian, but you know, for me, in his heart, is Italian. Um, yeah, indeed. And I will be nodding along because I think I think I was on the island that you pitched up your <laughs> that signing came. It was so. a very very small island with very few of us on. <laughs> it was a very small island, and actually. Contrary to uh, popular belief of what you think we're going to talk about tonight, we are going to, of course, talk about the Villa game. But I actually want to start on another island tonight, um, the island that, once again, Arsenal fans have been moaning today. I know. I know. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Are but, you sure? Um, That's yeah, unlike us. It, it's, it's rare. <laughs> it's, it's really, really rare. But Arsenal fans have been having a little bit of a moan about a certain Egyptian's new contract. And I, I'm very pleased about it. And I'm... I think he's a wonderful man, and I think we're doing the right thing, and we're being classy. Can I, can I check the right side of which they're angry about? Is it the they're angry that he took a pay cut, or are they angry that we triggered a, basically triggered a deal and didn't yeah. do that? What, what, what are they really angry about? Is it helping a guy out? Is that it? I, I think I think they're just angry about things that they can't possibly actually understand, Josh. I think that's the truth. Most people who have got an issue with this are people who just don't understand 
football contracts, football in general, life, stars in the sky, all those things. Because um, I just think it's really good news. And as you rightly said there, Josh, we had the option of an additional year. Um, Mohamed Elneny, who we're discussing, of course, currently and out injured. He strikes me as the sort of guy who will just very quietly sit on the bench every single week. He's like, he's, he's that guy that every Sunday league player has. You, you know that player. He, uh, he takes the kit home every week and washes it, or his mum does. Turns up on time every week, puts his full kit on thinking he's going to get a start, and he's pretty much every time the, the unused sub. But you like having him around because when the piss heads can't be bothered to turn up on a wet January afternoon or morning, he'll be there to fill in at left-back, right-back, centre midfield, in goal, wherever. And that's that's what I like about Mo. So, yeah, I, I presume there's none of us in here that have an issue with that new deal, just while I've got it on the mind. It's no, not long so. enough. Lifetime um, contract. Yeah. I think it's sensible. Gets on with the squad, gets on with the manager. Everyone in the squad likes him. He's a positive influence. He's always happy. Um, and like you said, if he doesn't end up playing ever again for Arsenal, I mean, I think he will, obviously, at some point. But if he never played again, I don't think he'd particularly be bothered. He'd just be happy to be around the club and the players and help in whatever way he can, as if that's just in training or, or whatever it is. And positive, positive attitude. And he's the sort of guy I'd rather have in the squad... Um, then say, I don't know, That's you could have someone like an Emmy Martinez as a backup goalkeeper, <laughs> oh, for example. Oh, well, come because on. They might, one might have more quality than the other in mm. technical ability in their respective position, but one is a dickhead and one's a nice guy. <laughs> Can I add a also sensible suggestion as well? I'm sorry, John, to mm. uh, completely derail you immediately. You're on the, you're on the wrong on podcast, that. Josh. I know, I think so, but. Um, I'm just thinking about some of our youth players who mm-hmm. I'm thinking of one particular striker who's doing quite well being given a full season rather than being a third choice. Um, really showing wonders in a league that some may um, cast aspersions on. But you know what? If you're scoring as many goals as Mbappe, it doesn't matter what league you're playing in. It's obviously a quality player. Um, and that's Balogun. And then thinking about Charlie Patino, who is currently playing quite well for a struggling uh, Blackpool uh, Championship. Yeah, and struggling is being nice to them. I know, struggling is... Yeah, they're doing all right now that uh, Mick McCarthy's in there, but it's an opportunity. Is that a player that I want just to give 10 games to next season? Realistically, we're playing Champions League. He's probably not going to play in the Champions League. Are we going to trust him in a league game? Maybe one or two against whichever teams are left at the bottom of the table or whoever comes up next season? Or would I rather give him 35, 40 games in a more competitive situation whilst Mo, quite happily, sits on the bench and takes those minutes? And I think we'd all agree, looking at how well our loans are working, that that is the situation to work in. And I think the same for Aziz as well. Again, yeah. another player that could just be sitting here not getting minutes. And it's and it's win-win either way because, you know what, if we're doing just the right thing, as Des has put in the chat there and as, as um, uh, I think Rudy has as well, if we're just doing the classy thing by giving a player who's past 30, who's got a long-term injury, financial security for him and his family until such time as we release on a free or he moves on to another club you know, for a minimal fee, I'm fine with that as well. 
you know, you're not, you're not telling me that the money we, we've given to Mo, as you both said, Josh, he's taking a pay cut. <clears throat> We're not giving him money that we would be, you know, throwing at the, a transfer in the summer. It's clearly just sort of money you'd find down the back of the sofa or in the back of Edu's barbecue. And um, and he provides that experience. And as I tweeted earlier on, he's, his smile's infectious. I think he's really good at, good to be around the place. And I've got a sneaking suspicion he might be a player who hangs around as a coach one day um, in the background. He, he has that sort of calmness mentality. And, and there's, there's quite, Arsenal have got quite a lot of players that are either directly on the coaching staff at the club now or do work in and amongst the club. If you look at like Johan Juru and Jeremy Eliadier and players like that, who are, um, what's the other, is it Ryan Gary? He's one of the coaches of the youth team. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of players that people have forgotten about that are still in and around the, the club. So, um, yeah, it's a big thumbs up from all of us and good for and you, Mo. Legend. And oh, yeah, we have uh, such a huge fan base in Africa. <clears throat> How many African players have we got left? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's one of the greatest Egyptian players of all time. For, I mean, we all know he's better than Salah. And he's a lovely right. bloke. And he's got great hair. There's not enough players with great hair at the club. He's not a bad footballer either. That's that's no. that's the best bit about it. You know, it's not like we're we're sort of giving a contract to a YTS boot cleaner. I mean, you know, he's he's a he's a decent solid he's pro and to the likes of a bum young and Urzel, which is what we need at the club. And scored one of the best goals ever seen at the new camp. FYI. So anyway, um so that's that's the that's the happy um happy news of the day. Let's go back to the happy news of the weekend. As is always the case on this podcast, if you're coming to us for succinct uh, XG stats and to the minute match reports and reviews of the incidents, you're in the wrong place. We're just going to talk from the heart. So, uh, John, let's start with you. On a scale of um, 9 out of 10 or 9.9 out of 10, how big of a cunt is Emilia Martinez? Um, I mean, it's difficult because there's like different levels and there's different types. There's like the Drogba type. There's the Diego Costa type. Emmy Martinez has very quickly, within the space of being a hero at Arsenal in a very short space of time, to immediately joining another club, gone gone on to his entire own sort of division. Like, there's no one else in that competition. It's just him. he's winning it every year and he's never going to get relegated. Um, but there's, there's no denying he's a good goalkeeper. But he is an absolute class bellend. Now, don't get me wrong. Our goalkeeper Ramsdale absolutely love him. He can also be a bellend. He has bellend tendency. Yeah, it's not quite the same like level. The way he does it and uh, the antagonises and everything else. Um, so yeah, it just made everything sweeter because when the that goal went in, I didn't. I just thought it was Jorginho just come off the you know crossbar because it was. I screamed so loud. I think I nearly blacked out. Um, and I didn't really realise it came off the back of his head. And then when it did, I just like was absolutely pissing myself because of the amount of time uh, he was wasting. Uh, yeah, it, incredible. But I don't believe in karma. I don't. I'm not sure it's a thing. But that moment in the game, it really did make me think. Oh, maybe just maybe there is such a thing as like universe coming back to bite you in the ass for being mm. a twat. If um, if uh, I'm sure this is terrible. I've forgotten the, the chap's name. Um, God is a DJ. God is a gooner. What's the chap's name? He recently passed away, didn't he? Um, oh, Faith, um, Faithless, the guy. Uh, Jazz. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, I know what you mean. I can't yeah, yeah. I'll have to look it up. 
who I think I'm right in saying was actually an Arsenal fan. I may have got that. I think, I think he was. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I, w- I would agree. And of course, we, we, we will look at, we will talk about the game. So uh, I'll Matty keep there you go. There you yeah. go. And you, you music, and you'd be the man to tell <laughs> Um Josh, I, I will. I will take it up to the highbrow level, though, because there was more to it than than Martinez. And and for the record, by the way, I've I've always, even though people had this irrational hatred of him, I've always kind of, you know, just said, look, at the end of the day, yeah, we're rent free in his head, but he's moved on, whatever. Then the World Cup final happened, and I've fucking hated him then, and then. Ever since then, I've hated him since. And yeah, Sunday, uh, Saturday just just made me just jump over that fence into the cunt field. But anyway, leaving him aside, just a straightforward question to you. Like, how big does is that win on Saturday? Because how big were those six minutes? Because I I tweeted uh, towards the well, I think it's middle part of the second half, and I, I, I tweeted and said, Look, we we have to risk losing this game now because a draw is no good to us. Those two final late goals, just how big an impact does that have? And maybe how big an impact did that have on Man City, who then hilariously dropped points at Forest the same day? Well, um, yeah, I think it was one of those that it shows. I'm trying to not to go to a cliche, but you know what? If anyone's got their cliche bingo sheets out, here we go. Uh, it's the stuff of champions, you know, <laughs> pulling out results like that. Um it's what all the good teams do. And I think it's always nice to get over uh, or get something over a former um, staff member, should we say, of uh, of Arsenal Football Club. Not just necessarily uh, Emmy Martinez, but um, I think we should also take some time to speak about Unai Emery, who I think has found his level within England. Um, he's found a proper perennial underdog um for which ply his trader and i think generally they did well hitting us on the counter but eventually you could see um some of the tactical decisions that weren't necessarily his and were maybe taken up by other players on the field um came back to bite them on the backside with that added time so i very much um enjoyed seeing that comeback, especially as I was in a completely different stadium at the time, um, enjoying some people's uh, reactions to, oh, bloody hell, it's Arsenal. I hate them. Um, which was always very... And I don't I don't quite understand why um, a select group of Brighton fans were cheering on Villa. But anyway... Um, I think it's since Malpai, isn't it? Maybe since Mopay and Gwendouzi, but... Mm. I mean, Brighton won that game. Mm. So, I've what I actually, yeah, what I actually thought it was is probably more to do with the media outlash against uh, against Arteta. You know, oh, it's just yeah. got everyone into everyone's brain that they think he's a bit of a bit of a weirdo, a bit too kooky for their uh, for their liking. Um, but I would say, yeah, generally, it was a great, great comeback. Showed real determination. Obviously, the fourth goal, I think, um, can't put too much analysis into that other than it's a goalkeeper going against what his uh, manager asked him to do. And we broke perfectly well. Um, And I'm sure we'll come on to Martinelli's celebration and how much, um, no, how considerable the amount of piss boiled at that point um, Mm. 
from at least three players who celebrated before the goal went in mm. or oh, when the ball went in. And the uh, but absolutely. And the, um, but yeah, Jorginho, I think it was a case of, again, with Zinchenko as well. Both shots that they had, you'd think a goalkeeper would save that comfortably. But um, old Ben Swolo in goal um, just can't get down quick enough. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, I think that's my my big takeaway from there was that when John said he was a good goalkeeper, mm, wasn't yeah. sure about that. Wasn't sure. Oh, we still had question marks about him. <clears> and <throat> I wonder how long he'll stay around at Villa Park because there was clearly a reason he spent very little time at Arsenal under Emery. Oh, he's, he's, he's off to Spurs in the summer, hundred percent. I don't think he's off to Spurs. That's where I think he draws the line. No, I don't. Um, I, I think I think he'd revel in that. Absolutely revel in it. Loris has yeah. already agreed to go back to France at the end of the season. Uh, is, that to the, is that to the glue factory? Would, no, I think <laughs> I think he's going to go back to Ren by the sounds of it. But no. yeah, um, I think Martinez is absolutely prime for for Spurs personally. Um, but yeah, I mean, but fuck him at the end of the day, you know, and and like genuinely fuck him because. I, I was timing it because I have a sad little life and nothing better to do with my, my time, clearly. But I mean, like seven odd minutes of the game, like it was just him holding the ball or wasting time. Even towards I, the end when he when he had that, was it? I think he went out for a challenge with Marcinelli and then just laid on the floor and feigned injury. Oh, fuck off. Like, you know, if, if you got it, as you said, John, if you're going to give it, You've you've damn yeah. sure got to be able to take it. That's the yeah. Thing. You have you have got to be able to take it. I I do. Right, it's annoying when a goalkeeper is time wasting against you. But I don't actually have a problem with it, in particular this season and because of the World Cup, because referees are actually adding all that time on now. Like normally, it would have been regardless what happened, that someone could have been knocked out in the game and the stretches and everything else. And medics on. It was always four minutes was the maximum added time. That was basically it. Very rarely you might see five. Now you're getting six, seven, eight. You're, it's they actually are adding the time on. And if that's Aaron Ramsdale doing it, and it's in a game where we're struggling and he's holding onto the ball for as long as possible, fucking do it. Because if the referees aren't going to do anything about it, because once they book a goalkeeper, they're never going to give them a second yellow and send them off. That's my issue. Then yeah, and the refs aren't going to do anything about it. So look, teams are going to do it against us. I don't have a huge issue with it because at the moment there aren't really proper rules to legislate against it and they're doing whatever they can to try and trust her and beat us. And if it was the shoes on the other foot and it was us and it was our goalkeeper, then I'd take it all day long. So there's a certain amount of shit housing and whatever that goes on in football that I'm not overly bothered about it. Um, to be honest, the fact that the goals came so late and the way the third goal happened, obviously coming off of Martinez's head, it's just sort of like, it's sweet justice in a way, poetic, but yeah. yeah, it's poetic, but <clears throat> I don't think it really tells the story of the game in which, you know, we were poor first half, Villa scored two good goals. Um, you know, we got the one goal back from Saka that was brilliant, but to be fair, we only scored that because Tyrone Mings, for some reason, didn't head it out just for a corner rather before. I know I do. I'll just plant this ball straight back into the box uh, when he could have literally headed the ball the way he was facing, which was bizarre. Um, and then second half, we came out and we were much better. Um, you know, and I think the biggest takeaway from me for this game is that that win and the way we won it and how late we won it 
probably does way more for the team and the squad for the rest of the season than us going to Villa and just steamrolling them. Winning like, three, winning nil, yeah. three, yeah. three nil easy. I don't, I don't think that does anything. This is the sort of win where it's like, okay, we played bad. A lot of key important players were really poor in the first half. Second half, they picked it up. It was still a struggle. And, you know, had Leon Bailey shot that Ramsdale made the save on uh, that he puts John to the crossbar, another day that goes in and Villa are 3-2 up in the... And that was, what, the 91st, 92nd minute? An- another day that goes in off the back of Ramsdale's head. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and it's literally that's literally a minute or, or less than a minute before... Um, Jorginho gets a probably a sister of the season for Remy Martin is his own goal. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> by it the way, when, yeah, it's still when funny. We, yeah, when we come when we come to the end of the season and Danny does his usual vote for your favourite goal or whatever, if there isn't an assist poll and if Jorginho's assist with Martinez scoring an own goal does not win, I'm going to be very very unhappy with our followers. <laughs> Because that should be. hands down. That should be the only one you can pick in the category. I don't think anyone else, anything else is ever going to beat it. Um, but yeah, no, I just think it's huge for the for the squad and everything else. And I, I still, you know, there's still problems in the team, and there's still going to be struggles from now to the end of the season. Um, mm. I just think it's such a lift the way we want it because it's yeah. still a very draining game and physically and mentally draining. But I just think that gives you such more of a boost and the fans as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. they loved it. I mean, right. I, I was like, first half, I was like, this is so bad. I was like, this is, if we lose this, that's it. You know, there's no way we're coming back. Even, I was like, City will drop points and everything. But I was just like, no, we're just going to fall away. There's maybe mm. a dangerous slipping to third or something. Um, and Had the off, feel of the back yeah. end of last season, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, big time. And then obviously gets the 2-2 and the, you see the clock ticking away. I was like, oh, I mean, I guess considering how we've played, it's a good result, but it's still not really enough. And yeah, when that third goal went in, I... I'd lost my voice by that point. So I just mm. screamed myself hoarse. And I was sat in a flat on my own watching it. So I was the same. <laughs> I, I cheered and celebrated it. And then I just sat there laughing hysterically for about yeah. three three solid minutes. Um, and, and it should be a couple of things on that third goal. It should be said, it's a really good goal. If you watch the whole build-up, I think mm. um, James Gunnerblog tweeted the whole goal. And it's it's a very, very good goal if you take away the deflection. The only thing that was missing from that goal and I appreciate obviously Jorginho's wild celebrations was you know of course if you score a last minute winner of that importance you're going to wheel away to the fans but there was a small part of me that wished he'd a Thierry Henry Chris Kirkland it oh yeah just ran over to Martin and just presented yeah, yeah. the ball said do you want a fucking time waste now you are yeah <laughs> that, um, that immediately made me think of Kirkland the way Martinez was like time yeah. waste everything and well, yeah and that had the whole thing for the younger generation who haven't seen that <clears> clip, <throat> do look it up. I think it's on YouTube. It's Thierry Henry against Wigan. <clears throat> and the best part about the clip is not only Henry sort of slotting away and then presenting the ball to Kirkland, it's Kirkland's reaction because it's Kirkland. He takes about maybe just two seconds to realise what Henry's doing as he's handing us the ball. And then he just goes, oh, fuck off. <laughs> it's so <laughs> obvious on the camera, which I absolutely love. So, um, yeah, God bless. Um Danny, you've been very quiet whilst your cats have been presenting their assholes to the screen for us, which is fantastic. Um, you're you're a cynic, I think it's fair to say. Um, of? Pro- probably only the only person more cynical than I am. But as the two other gents have said, it, it did feel like a massive result, didn't it? Not, not just in terms of the confidence, but to win it late, 
uh, as, he, as he mentioned, Man City, I don't think any of us would have seen them dropping points. But I almost felt like, although they battered Forest and on another day they'll win 12-0, I almost felt like the pressure was on them. And there's been this big thing about us going first in games and getting wins and then putting pressure on them. It Imagine that City dressing room when they knew that we we won that game that game late. Because a lot of people, I think, I think even the BBC, bless them, has typed up the match reports as it finishing 2-2. But that... That, as Josh said, it, it is the sort of mark of, of a championship winning team being able to go right to the very end and, and turning it out in what was essentially just really a very good second half performance. We weren't bad in the first half, but we weren't at our free-flowing best, were we? No, uh, the brilliant stat on AC Jimbo today. That is the first time that Arsenal have been in a Premier League game and away and losing at half time and come back to win since 2009 against outside Liverpool. Outside of London, wasn't it? Was it outside of London? Yes, it was at Liverpool last time. Anfield, uh, yeah. I didn't hear the outside of London bit. I mean, 18, uh, 18 shots in the in the second half, the second highest of any team this season. We all knew, when we? we all said that um, in, in the, the show last week that it's only a matter of time, you lot said actually, because I wasn't on it, but I said it in the, in the preview and post-game shows, that it's only a matter of time until we do um, sort out this winning run and, and get back to the team we were, the free-flowing, the attacking. And the first half was a hangover from Man City, but the second half, it was back on. And just we, uh, me and John, and, and I think maybe you, Chris, said, we, we like Jorginho. When he was playing in Italy for, for Napoli, it, there's a reason why he was a £50 million player six years ago. He was magnificent in Italy. He was one of the best players in Italy in that position, maybe even in, in any midfield position. He was fantastic to watch. And when we got him for £12.5 million for, for a player like that, it's not, I mean, in that position, he can play in that position, as we've seen with uh, so many other players. He can play there until he's 35. I don't think he'll be here until he's 35. But the way he slotted in, best player against Man City, and he was brilliant in um, against Villa. And that, it's just come together really quickly. And I think a lot of credit has got to go to the team harmony and the likes of El Nenny and, and the people that he's got out of the club that would have been sat in the corner going, he doesn't know what he, he doesn't, this manager doesn't know what he's doing. Maybe we should all not play properly and get him out, like has happened so many times in the past. That they just show they want their entire squad. The unity they have is, is much like the. The, the unit we have at ABW is just uh, it's a thing to warm the cockles of your heart. I thought you were going to say massively erratic, dysfunctional, and completely <laughs> out of touch. Uh, yeah, no, I, I yeah, I agree with that. And I think the on the Georgino point, I think there's some suggestion going around. I know Arteta's liked him as a player for a number of years, but there's some suggestion that it was that Europa League final game that convinced him that you know if he managed the club, he'd try and bring him in. And the one thing that he probably offers us and actually i'll come to you on this one john while we're on the subject because you can speak well on on this gentleman he's um he offers us something different to what we've already got doesn't he like he i think i genuinely think there's an argument to say with the leicester game coming up that you could conceivably pair him with party and give Xhaka a rest because to me granite is probably one of those two or three players right now who is struggling um, for form and and again there's not a knock at him he's been brilliant all, all season I just feel like the World Cup maybe is starting to catch up with him and he just looks like a guy who could deal with a breather and that the way that Partey progresses the ball that, that the passing forwards which I know a lot of people were critical that he didn't do there's a reason he didn't do that he was playing for Chelsea who um, <laughs> don't know if you've noticed they're a bit of a fucking shit show at the moment 
But that Villa Park performance sort of proves that Jorginho could fit in alongside Partey, doesn't it, in, in, in the games moving forward. And and also, I think, will give us a, a really good wise head in those European games, whomever they will be against in the, in the ne- next few weeks. But you've always been a fan, so I want you to blow your trumpet. Um, thank you very much. I'd love to be able to. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when he was playing at Napoli... And obviously Arsenal for years have been crying out for a midfield and I was like, please go and get Jorginho. Um, and a few people were like, oh, I've seen him, he's really, really good and whatever. But a few people said, oh, he's not a DM. And I was like, and he isn't. He's not a, he's not really a defensive midfielder. Like he has his flaws. If you get, if you can get the ball past him, progress past the line he's on and turn him, he's not quick. He's not going to be able to recover. And I think you've seen it in every game he's played for Arsenal there's been one or two moments in probably every single game where, you know, our press hasn't been right or our shape hasn't been quite right. They've got past him and they're in at the back four. Fair enough. I think he'd be the first one to admit that. Arteta would as well. But what he does differently to, say, um, Partey is that he will interrupt the passing lines and he will read the, the, the play uh, to intercept the ball better. He won't necessarily have to make the tackle, whereas Partey's got that physicality and that bit more pace to get over the ground. And if he's not quite in the right position, he can recover and, and get in there to win the ball back and then play it forwards. Uh, Jorginho just reads it slightly better. And their passing range is different as well. Like They're both very good technical footballers. I think you'll you, if you go and watch the couple of games Jorginho's played and then what Partey's played... Partey generally, when he gets the ball, he will try and spread it as far wide as possible. So he won't go short to Ben White or into Erdegaard. He might go straight to Martinelli or straight to Saka, those kind of balls. Um, Jorginho will only play those longer passes when they are directly forward. And it's almost a straight line pass he does sometimes. He's just waiting for that angled run. Um, whereas if it's people in around him and he hasn't got that, he's going to play that short passing, just take it, move a few yards, take it back and just move it and progress it on the pitch like that. It's a, it's a different pace from what we see. I've seen Arsenal play this season, the way he operates in the team. Um, I do agree with you that I think Xhaka, his form has dipped a little bit and could probably use the rest. I think Smith-Rowe coming back is a huge one as well because I, I do think he would be a very good option in there as the, the sort of the left eight. Um, who can get up and down and, and break into the box. He's definitely got that ability. But I wouldn't be against seeing Partey and Jorginho playing together. Um, it, it's a different option and you don't have to have that single pivot. Then you can have a double and they're both smart enough that one can go and one can sit, that kind of thing. And and as you see, Partey's got the ability to score goals. Jorginho, look, it's an amazing strike, but I'm not expecting goals from Jorginho. <laughs> it's, it really isn't his game. Uh, I think even Arteta was laughing about it after the after the press conference. But yeah, there's lots of people who didn't like him and I get it. It's the whole, it's an older player past, you know, over 30. He's from Chelsea. Oh, it's another guy we're going to come in. He's going to take a load of money and just not be very good. It's also the way he takes penalties, John. Yeah. He takes penalties like a twat. Yeah, he does. Get clear. Well, no, didn't, hasn't he stopped? Didn't he stop? Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. He then did he stop. missed a load of penalties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, the thing is, we got him on a one and a half year deal we got him on good wages, not ridiculous. We got him at a very low price. He's experienced. He's won basically everything. Um, and uh, Chris, as you alluded to, I think if Partey's fit, Partey's going to start most games and he's probably going to play with Xhaka. 
it's probably always going to be those two until you know the summer when we if we get a Declan Rice or whoever. Um, but Europa League is going to be starting up again soon. So what's perfect there? Get Jorginho in there. The pace of the game is slightly slower in Europe than it is in the Premier League. He can control and dictate the pace a bit more. Then you can go, oh, well, maybe we can afford to have a Fabio Vieira next to him. Two technically gifted players who can just keep possession, you know, rotate the ball around. And it, it gives us another option. Um, so, yeah, I was very happy. He's a short-term signing. Like Danny said, I don't think he's going to be here for years and years. He probably will do his year-and-a-half contract. They might let him walk on a free, maybe. Who knows? But for the money we've paid, uh, I think it's really clever. If it gets us over the line in terms of the league this season, amazing. Um, if it doesn't and we finish second, I still think it's a really good deal. He's just a very good player for the young guys to learn off of. Um, he's got the right attitude. And like you said, Chelsea are in shambles at the moment. Obviously not this weekend though, Chelsea. Come on, you fuckers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, be nice. get that first result. Um, Find their form, yeah. Yeah, I think he's been great in all the games. Uh, his flaws, everyone knows them. They are there. He does have them. Every player does. Um, but if you give him time on the ball, the amount of those little slide rule passes he plays in, and he played a lot in this game, um, I think you leave us to Gunnerblog's Twitter earlier. If people want to go on that, I think he's done a little compilation or a piece about Jorginho and the uh, the, the fabled pre-assist hmm. that was very in vogue for a while and how Jorginho is bringing it back. Um, but that is what he does. He finds someone in a pocket of space, whether it's going to be Erdegaard, Saka, whoever, gets the ball to them because he knows if he puts the ball there, uh, Ben White as well, he found a lot in this game. Ben White's overlapping runs of football were really good, particularly in the second half. Um, he's going to put the ball there, which get, makes it easy for the guy who's actually going to make the assist. He puts you, he puts the ball in a position that makes it so simple that you can't really mess up the assist, and then it's just a case of the the guy on the end of it finishing um, that. So yeah, I, I'm really really pleased we signed him, and I'm glad he's made some people eat some humble pie. Yeah. And he's I not think what we saw, <laughs> yeah, what we saw in this game as well is that the team seemed more comfortable with him. Yeah. Um, unlike yeah. Man City um, playing Bernardo Silva at centre mid and left yeah. back at the same time <laughs> yeah. yeah where you could see that they didn't have you know, the, our back four wasn't necessarily as comfortable playing balls into him you can see that the difference a uh, couple of days makes of being on the training ground even just at match level seeing where he was about there was still some as you say John he's not flawless uh, there's still things that Parte would cut out that Jorginho can't and uh, passes that are attempted by the opposition that they wouldn't attempt when Partey's there but would when Jorginho is there uh, but that's just that's football you're not going to find this cookie cutter player and I think those that were looking at say Caicedo and this isn't a um isn't a bad thing I'm going to say about Caicedo but he doesn't come in as quickly to replace Partey um, in these two games as it has for Jorginho because he's just not experienced enough. Uh, this is a player that we're bringing in that is tactically astute. You know, he's played on, as you mentioned, played under Sarri. That is a guy who knows how to play weird football. Uh, yeah, I mean, played if you've under, played under Sarri, you can play under Arteta, basically. <laughs> yeah, and you've played under Tuchel as well, yeah. another guy yeah. who has made you yearn for being able to play nice football. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd even say to a point Graham Potter because he does some batshit crazy stuff 
So it probably gives you that good thing of going, okay, cool. I do want to play expansive football, but I also actually want to play competent expansive football. All right, mm. Arteta's there. Uh, and I think that's the thing that's it could be seen as that sensible signing or sensible transfer, um, trademark the uh, Tifo football, that brings us the, the title. Mm. Because we'd probably be on a run of three or four straight losses if Partey wasn't there and we're trying to blood a 21-year-old in the midfield, no matter how good they are at 80, 100 million that was uh, being banded around for them. There's no mm. way you get that kind of player straight into the midfield. What you actually need to plug in is experience. Yeah, it's, it's like we did with, with the Trossard was the same sort of deal. Mm. These are not exciting signings, but they're all experienced. They know the league. They understand different systems. They're intelligent footballers. They're not going to grab headlines, but you know you can get them, bring them in and do a few training sessions and they've got it. They know what they're doing. They know what mm. the job is. You, They're also the sort of guys that from the scouting and everything else and talking to other coaches that they're clearly gone, oh yeah, if you tell this guy to do this thing, he will, you know, he will go and do it and he will understand his role and everything else. Yeah. Um, you know, we, not every club, in fact, I don't even think you could even say this of Man City, they do have um, obviously ridiculous quality in certain areas in the fact that, you know, you've got Grealish, Foden, Mares. you've got three superb wingers, whichever one you pick, you know, either side. But if you look at the Rodri role at Man City, after Rodri, is it Calvin Phillips? Yeah, it's yeah, I'm McDonald's. Yeah, and that's <laughs> that, that is not a knock on Calvin Phillips. I think he's a very good footballer, but there is a drop. It's mm. not the same quality. And yeah, Partey um, for that position and the role he plays is better than Jorginho. Um, technical skill-wise, is probably negligible. But for that particular role, yeah, I think Partey is the better player for it. You're never going to get someone of equal quality who will go, yeah, I'm just going to sit on the bench and not cause any problems. It just doesn't happen. Mm. Um, you know, you can you can get away with it a little bit more in terms of forwards because you do tend to rotate them more and they get on more in a game and that kind of thing. So, you know, it doesn't matter how big the team is or how much money you spend, you're never going to get exactly like for like. So you do have to bring in more experience. And it's the one thing the team, you know, other party and Jackal were, were it, basically, in terms of yeah. experience the team. You know, Zinchenko and Jesus, everyone talks about them with experience. They are, in fact, they've won things, but they're both, what, 25? Both younger players, yeah. yeah. They're still yeah. very young, you know. Yeah. So um, I think having it, and particularly having it in the spine of the team, is really important. So, yeah, I think it's been a really good signing. And look, don't get wrong, I'd love to have Party back and fit and available for the rest of the season. And I would, if he's ready to go, I'd drop him straight back in for Leicester. Um, well, not a knock against Jorginho, you know, but... No, you know, no, I get it. That's, I get that's it. what you do because that was the winning team and he does speed up our game a little bit and I think we played better with him in there. Yeah, but no, I get when it. He's, when he's not there, I'm not as worried, you know, like um, I used to be. And for the record, another player, there's another former Napoli midfielder who I would very much be delighted to rescue from Paris if we got the opportunity, which I'm sure you would have remembered how good Fabian Ruiz was at Napoli before he left. Yes. It, it is a crime against football to see the, the player that has, has developed into what he has at PSG, where he's just not playing and not being utilised correctly. And it's, it's a shambles because he's such a good player and he'd be a fraction of the price at some of these DMs that we've been linked to, but that's a story for a, a rainy day. Um, Josh, I just want to ask you 
about the defensive side of things on on Saturday. I, I think I'm once again on one of those islands here in, in saying that I didn't actually think either of the goals we conceded were were sort of bad defending per se. Some people have been critical of Saliba's positioning. Some people have been critical of Ramsdale's positioning for the first goal. Um, a few other people have said that Ben White was at fault for the second goal. I thought the second goal was actually just a very good move, like genuinely very good move. Um, and Ollie Watkins always seems to be Ollie Watkins times 4.0 whenever he plays Arsenal for whatever reason. And I thought it was a very good finish. And yes, I think if Saliba had his time again, he might have got a bit tighter, but I don't think it's bad defending. Um, I think maybe the only fault in the either goal is Zinchenko you lose his possession for that first goal. But any defensive worries for you? Because other than the two goals, I don't think Villa really did anything, did they, apart from that one that one moment with Ramsdale? I don't think so. Um, I'm going to quickly ask all the football manager nerds in the building to quickly check my understanding that Ollie Watkins is a boyhood Arsenal fan. I think he is. Um, yeah. Yes, that is correct. Yes, mm. there we go. So obviously um, being able to score against Arsenal is as close as you can get to scoring for Arsenal. Um, at least you're not doing it for Spurs, um, I suppose is the only Yet. benefit that he's getting. <laughs> well, um, we know that big money strikers don't score at Spurs. Um, True. How long is it? How many games and counting for um, the £60 million man? Um, uh, 14, I believe it is now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Well, uh, Class. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd still say... I would have been very happy if he turned up at the Emirates because uh, you, 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 exactly. <laughs> I'd want, he's the player you'd want on your side in a North London derby. Uh, I mean, I'd have him on the bench so he gets sent off kicking someone in the face and it doesn't affect the game. Um, but yeah, uh, anyway, defensively, I agree with you, Chris. That second goal, you just sometimes, you know, we're playing at the elite level. Sometimes some elite moves happen against you and you just go, all right mm. not goal. a lot we could do with that it i'm so sorry goal. and i know many people aren't going to be watching this yeah. live but courtois has just I've just seen oh it, yeah. my <laughs> word <laughs> both goals what are terrible on actually. earth was that i don't i assume sorry anyone listening to this has probably already seen it but i'm assuming tibo courtois thought he was in a chelsea shirt yeah because um, so. he's basically just done a knee pass assist to mo salah <laughs> on the six yard box it's incredible <laughs> Um, wow, that's that's superb. Sorry, carry on. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Wow, carry on, Josh. That's all right. Um, I suppose there was that point where he said he was the best goalkeeper in the world, wasn't he? Yeah, I remember um, that. I suppose Larice Carius and Dejan Lovren are also in that uh, club. Of, uh, at one point, they might have been the best goalkeeper in the world um, or best player in the world, according to themselves. Anyway. Um, Anyway, talking about defensively, yeah, the second goal, a bit like, I I couldn't, yeah, as you say, you could analyse it if you really wanted to, but I bet everybody in the training ground is not looking at that goal and saying that is the reason why we lost the game. There's some things we could have maybe have done. I think at one point, Jorginho could have two-footed a guy to stop him going past, but again, you're not going to take a red card. Um the first goal, it is just, there's a bit more that you could see that there was some players at fault. And I think coming off the back of our last couple of games, I kind of see why we concede that goal. But I think 
if you'd looked at us probably four or five weeks ago, we don't concede that goal. There was just a bit more stability to us. Um, I just yeah, thought just, that, that goal was bad team defending. I don't think it was individual. Yeah. Mm, like, like, I think the front three just switched off, didn't press. The midfield then went, oh, crap, are we supposed to be higher up here or lower back because oh, the three in front of us have done nothing. Mm. Erdegaard sort of attempts to get back. He's the only then, one, isn't he? Yeah, and then the rest of them just sort of went, uh, I mean, and it's a lovely goal from Villa. Like, all the goals in this game were great. They were mm. all really good um, for both teams. But, yeah, I just thought it was really poor from, from front to back. Everyone was at fault, to be fair. I don't, I don't think anyone particularly um, did their job properly in that one. Yeah. And it was fairly early as off. well. Yeah. Yeah. We were still trying to work out what Emery was trying to do, whether or not he was going to sit back or be an aggressive counter, because that's one thing we do know about Emery sides is that it does take you about 10, 15 minutes to actually work out what they're trying to achieve in the game. And mm-hmm. once we found that pocket of space in the centre of the park, which uh, I think anyone that's looked at Villa's past map since he's come in, you'd know that's probably where the space was going to be, but also ensuring that we had the flanks covered and we know how narrow we like to play at some point. So once we finally got, I think, a few tweaks in place, then we looked quite comfortable, uh, especially when the second half was there and that um, presumably an Arteta-style rocket, because I don't think he wastes his hairdryer on anybody um, to get hair like that. Um, yeah, obviously we were far more defensively suitable. And obviously... Um, Emery makes some classic Emery substitutions and decides at 64 minutes in, he's done, done for yeah. the day. And I'm going to bring a centre back on for, for uh, one of my attackers. Yeah. yeah. That's what worried me actually when they went, when Villa went one up so early and our, our good friend, Mr. Martinez was, was essentially time wasting from about the 15th minute. Mm. I was just like, Jesus Christ, this is small club mentality, isn't it? Like we've got our goal lads shut right. down the game. Thank you very much. And the crazy thing was, wasn't even the manager's decision to do that. No, no, that the is manager yeah. didn't want to play that way. Um, no, I, I also have a question actually on from Patrick Carlson. Uh Danny, if you can highlight it in the chat. Um, just trying to work out from Patrick what point he's making on for whether or not Turner needs to get a chance now. Um Ramsdale and the centre-backs don't click right away. Are we just talking that we need Turner on for the first 15 minutes? <laughs> um, I don't quite understand the correlation there. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm not sure if I'd want, based on that performance, to be bringing Matt Turner in straight away. Bearing in mind, he, I don't think he would have trained with this back five. He would have been training with Rob Holding and Kivier and... Uh, probably KT and who's our other? Oh, Tommy Arce. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the I think the other the other thing to say is as well that Partey isn't there in front of the defence anymore, yeah. and it is Jorginho, so it is slightly different the way that the midfield is having to defend now. Because um, as I said, Jorginho tries to cut the passes out rather than mm. you know physically body someone. 
he's not going to be jumping up and winning headers and stuff. And like, he's not, you know, if we were playing Spurs, for example, you're not going to see Jorginho doubling up with Gabriel on Harry Kane to win a header mm. or anything like that because he's just not that kind of player. So there is that adjustment there. But I just think that the whole, in terms of the second goal, it was just the whole team. The, the front line didn't press at all. Erdegaard was then caught out of position, tried to drop back. Midfield didn't really know whether to go or drop off. And it's a nice move from Villa. Sometimes teams will score good goals because as much as I don't think the Premier League is as good as everyone claims it is, there are still very good players in it. What's um, the goal? Sorry, Vinicius yeah. Junior just scored. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, that's um, that's just one of those things. But, you know, I've not, first, I've not. first half we weren't on it. I don't, I don't think defensively we're great. And I think, you know, the first one, I think you're right, Chris. I think there is an argument Saliba could maybe get tighter. Yeah, maybe just pushing towards the touchline a bit yeah, more potentially. You know, but other than that, I do yeah. think you know you're, at that point you're sort of worried about oh I don't want to concede a penalty and yeah, blah, blah, exactly. blah, that kind of, that kind of thing. If I get turned, then he's straight at the goalkeeper. So I get keeping the distance a little bit, but if he just like you know half a yard, maybe a little bit closer, just to pressure him a bit more. Um, but again, and we're talking about a kid who is twenty. 21? Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. That, that's the thing. I think a lot of the time you have to remember is the majority of our players are very, very, very young. Uh, yeah. In particular, the defence. So. I, I must must admit, and this is not a knock at, at um, Patrick's comment there in, in the chat at all. Is I I don't I haven't heard the the Ramsdale criticism. I I do agree that sometimes both he and the defence as a whole fuck around with it a bit too much mm. <laughs> I do but but that's not the instructions that he would have got at Sheffield United that's the instructions he's got since since Mikel has come in because that's the way he wants us to play whether I like it or I don't I'm just a, you know I'm just a fan like mm. I think y- you'd be hard pressed to say that Ramsdale has has made and, many errors and Ramsdale if he doesn't make that save it's free to well, us and in the in the 92nd minute and that's not a knock on Turner either by the way because I think no, every time I've seen him play I think he's got better each time he's played and he looked very good what I like about Turner is that a he's an Arsenal fan so he's at the club he you know he, he would be in his dreams b he's pretty much been assured of the US men's national team number one regardless of whether he's playing or not now whether that will stay the same I don't know but for now it certainly has um, and I get the impression that he's quite happy to learn. Like he he has only ever played in MLS. This is his first season in this country. So I get the impression he would be more than happy to learn for for now and potentially another year behind Ramsdale. And and he will get some of those Europa League games. And I yeah. wouldn't even be surprised if he didn't get Champions League group games next season. If mm. you know if if we were in a group that allowed it, or if we'd qualified, he'd get the last two or whatever it might be. So I think he's your ideal backup. And um, yeah, I just think that. I just think Ramsdale. Yes, the, the, he he has a rick in him. I think I think we're all we all know that. Was he? He's only what 24, 25 now. Yeah, yeah. he's. Um, to be fair, what goalkeeper doesn't? Well, exactly. Well. I mean, David de Gea was written off, wasn't he, a year ago? And now look at look at him. So I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, I've still written him off. I've I've written him off. I've written him off for about since he, he joined. I think with his was hands. Anyway. absurd at the weekend. Some of the yeah, some of those yeah. saves. One of them was Simonesque, wasn't it? When he was yeah. almost behind him. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you know Becker's form this season has been poor. I think I think um, Edison's been been quite average this season for Man City. I, I do think you know, the only two goalkeepers that I think have consistently been good this season in the Premier League have been David Raya and, and um, uh, Nick Pope, to be fair. And I, I think Pope's very limited with his feet, but excluding Saturday's uh, debacle. I, I mean, to be fair, if you park 10 men in front of... Ed- 
10 elite defenders in front of any goalkeeper <laughs> they look all right. True that. Imagine True that. Uh, David De Gea under Jose Mourinho. See that. <laughs> I'm yeah. filing it in that one where you don't yeah. ask a goalkeeper to do anything other than just save it if it comes within an inch with you. If it if goes outside, don't do it. Don't touch it. Don't do anything. No. True. Just true. Kick it I along. think people are just getting wound up by um, the, you know, when Xhaka was at the ball on the edge of the area against Man City twice, because uh, yeah. uh, the, j- the yips, the yips, as they call yeah. it in darts. Ramsdale has too many of the yips where he wants to take that one extra touch when he's playing the bringing the ball out from defence. And also, uh, I asked this on Mike's pod yesterday, and they reckon it was. Uh, I'll tell you the answer. What they said, I asked, why isn't Ramsdale doing those long balls halfway down the field to a non-running Saka or Martinelli? And then they said maybe because people know that that's how we used to do it, and so they don't do it anymore. But he doesn't even take all the goal kicks anymore. When was the last time you saw him, Ramsdale, run up to the ball and kick it really hard? He doesn't. He gets the other players to do it. Ever since he had that, he went down a few, maybe five or six games ago, and it looked like he had a sore hip. Do you reckon mm. he's carrying an injury of any sort? Because that was a vital part of our game. That counter-attack from his goal kicks was, was magnificent. I just think they want to mix it up. And I, th- I think, like, even I was, you know, I was livid watching the Man City game because I was like, why are we fucking about it? Just get rid. I think against... Oh, it said as much of the same, pretty much. Yeah, He said, exactly. you know, there's times to play and there's times not to. Times to, they, to get they, rid. Yeah, yeah. They didn't and, do it. And I just think that you're only going to play a team with the level that Man City are every once in a while. Mm. I think you can afford to play out from the back against Villa because they're not really of the level that they're going to press you within an inch of your life. So I think it's it's picking your games and, and taking your opportunities. But no, I, 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 think, I think also Jesus missing is probably yeah. one of the other reasons because He's an outball, yeah. Ramsdale yeah. was always hitting the third man runner mm-hmm. as well. It was always that kind of, if someone was dropping deep, has Eddie got the same technical level to hold the ball up? I don't mm-hmm. think so as Jesus. That's the other thing is making sure and having the player coming the other way so yeah. it's Eddie dropping or Saka dropping, who's then running past them to collect that ball. And I don't think we're breaking as quickly. Be- and this isn't a slight on Enketia. In the same way, it's not a slight on Jorginho not being Thomas Partey. We just play differently. They're yeah. just slightly different players. Uh, yeah. Jesus can bring it down. And if we're static at the time and not moving fast, mm-hmm. the only out ball in long range terms really is Saka, is the only one with the strength to mm-hmm. do it. Martinelli can bring a ball down from the air brilliantly, like one touch, mm-hmm. regardless of how it's hit. But he likes to do it on the run, he's got space to run into. Mm-hmm. If the yeah. team's set, you can only really hit Saka with that long ball out of the, the setup we've got at the moment. Jesus has given his back to goal as well. Yeah. receiving balls like that mm. so and he's quick yeah. enough as well to turn a man and run into space and yeah. again yeah. Eddie's not necessarily got that in his locker it's not his game yeah agreed are agreed. worried about so, Eddie? Um, well I was going to I was actually going to ask you about him uh, Danny so I will come to you just before I do though I do did just want to cycle back and just say thank you to our, our good friend Crimson Pirate who's uh, renewed for the fourth month for Twitch so thank you very much to you much appreciated um yeah Danny let, let's let's talk about Eddie I mean are you are you worried I mean I I don't know I I feel like I've been I feel like I go back and forth a bit like I I love how many people he's proved wrong including me I love his work rate I love the fact he's getting in the positions I thought I thought he was actually pretty good on Saturday and on, on another day I think he probably scores that header in particular where he gets up really well um you you can't knock his his off the ball 
abilities and I say that, that hunger, that desire. I just, I just, I think where I'm, where I am with Eddie is I, I just wish we had a plan B. We did this in last week's pod, so we don't need to go over a, you know, the big man up front talk again. But I guess my only worry would be, and this is what I'll ask you is, is what happens if, you know, he strikes me as a guy who needs a goal at the moment since the Man United game, it hasn't come for him. Um, what is the option? Because we, uh, realistically, Jesus is, as we said last week, a, a good month, if not more, away. So what is what is plan B? That's my concern. So are you worried about him? Yeah, because at times he looks lost. He's 23. It's not like he's 18 or 19 where he's still he's still learning it. He's played nine consecutive games in the Premier League and played the full 90 minutes every time. And then he scored in his first game, one against West Ham, next game, one against Brighton, nothing, nothing, two against Man United, then nothing the rest of the time. But then you look at the amount of shots that he's having, going backwards, Villa, five, four, one, two, six, five, two, two, four. I mean, you add all those up, that's that's averaging out to be about three shots per game. And that's not even, I mean, the amount of chances that he had against Villa, um, he had two headers that hit the, that went hit the bar. Another one that I think a diving one that he missed, he, he just looks like he isn't on his game and it is worrying. But I mean, to get three goals from nine games, I know, would Jesus have got more than three in nine? Maybe he would have got four, possibly five against some of those teams. But Jesus offers more than just standing around up front with your hands in your pockets waiting for something to happen. He doesn't create anything apart from that cross where he did create the goal, uh, I think, was it um, against Villa. He did a couple of decent things, but Villa aren't a good team. And I do worry that there is nobody else. I mean, how many teams in the Premier League, apart from Chelsea, can go, we've only got one forward who's playing football. They've got that 12-year-old they got from Sweden. Well, Man United have only got one forward at the moment, but that's beside the point. <laughs> yeah, only got one. No, they've got about five, but only one of them scores goals. Uh, yeah, we need somebody, and there was plenty of chances to get. Like Man United got in, they got um, Veghorst in mm. in on loan. It's just and like point. last season. Uh, uh, excuse me, Veghorst is not a striker. He's a number ten. No, he's a number ten now. Yeah, he's <laughs> a big lying number ten. Yeah, that's that. He's a link man. Uh, yeah, it's just worrying that there is no alternatives. All the youth players, as in Balogun and Beerith and all those others, they've all gone out on loan. There's nobody else at the club at any level who can step in and do anything. And that is, that's worrying. I mean, not only if, if he got injured, but he's, got, he's massively out of form. He doesn't look confident, which means he's probably going to go and bang in a hat-trick against Leicester. But he just doesn't look like... You know, when he, when someone comes on as a sub, they look uncomfortable. They're not settling in. After nine consecutive games, he still looks like he's uncomfortable and not settling into the flow of the game. And he just I know, he looks, it's worrying. He looks like a guy to me who's almost knows that he's the only one. That's the bit that worries me. He almost looks like a guy going, shit, if I don't score. I mean, like when you saw Martin Erdegaard's face after he missed that chance. And, and by the way, I'm very glad we won that game because I genuinely think he'd have driven himself to Tamar Bridge and thrown himself off if that had been, you know, if we hadn't got the win. Um, I joke, of course, please don't do that. But I, I just, yeah, I, I just feel like Eddie sort of has that. It's almost like sometimes he's trying too hard because he knows he is the only one there. Um, would, would you... Let me ask Josh on this one because you you saw Leandro Trossard more than than we did. I, I'm not really on this this 
bandwagon of playing him up front because I don't think he's a a striker. I, I do get that he can play the false nine, but I would be more keen to do what I think John suggested last week in, in moving Martinelli into that role if you wanted to mix it up and bringing Trossard in than I would be putting Trossard as the nine. Would would you agree with that based on his, his Brighton days? I suppose so. The question I'm going to ask is, is there a difference between playing number nine and playing number nine, if you know what mm, I mean? Not in our system, um, I suppose, yeah. No, it, so that's what I see with Trossard. Trossard, yes, he played number nine in a false nine. Was he effective there? There's a different question to whether or not he played there. Um, factually, he has played number nine um, for Brighton. In my last three games that I saw him play there, completely ineffectual, pointless. Mm-hmm. You might as well have played um, the corner flag and had all the structural integrity of oh. one of those balloon things you see outside of a um, a cog forecourt. Oh, windy, wavy um, man. Yeah, yeah. one of them. <laughs> he was just, yeah, we just bounce off those. He doesn't like, this is one thing you'll find about Trossard, doesn't like it up him. Um, mm. And unfortunately, in the Premier League... Oh, it's so hard to get. say strange for a Brighton boy. Sorry, Karen. Oh, well. Fucking <laughs> hell. John, mm-hmm. come on, John, we're past that now. Yeah. Better 2023. We, we had a we had a viewer turn off last week on the YouTube comment saying that because we brought up race, you can't bring up that as well. Jesus Christ, we'll get cancelled. Oh. I used to go to game bars all the time in Brighton, just to let everyone know. <laughs> I did very well do. for myself. Yeah. Views of John Welsh are not the views of ABW. Please continue, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, my views of Trossard as a uh, number nine are the views of ABW. I'm going to add that though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I don't see that necessarily being the problem I would say if you've got a striker who is woefully out of form and not necessarily bringing anything to the or perceived to bring anything to the game there's nothing like a better bit of medicine than playing Danny Ward um, <laughs> in your next game because yeah um, we know where Jerry Payton is now he is up there coaching the goalkeepers and advising Brendan Rogers that the man that they've gone yeah you don't need to replace Casper Schmeichel. We got this kid. Yeah, he's oh, great. Yeah, that's um, yeah. That I think the Leicester game is an opportunity there for Eddie just to get back, um, get back into the groove, get some more goals in there, and there is an opportunity I think for um, for him to improve his all-round game. It's always been a criticism of mine of his game is that he doesn't link up as well with other players. Um, it's almost, you can see it so much more with the difference when Jesus isn't inside, I think. Martinelli looks basically isolated for the past 10, 15 games or so since Jesus has been out. And mm. partly not helped by what we mentioned, that Jacker seemingly refuses to pass to him. Um Otherwise, it's also because there's that lack of link-up. Eddie isn't comfortable being in a position where basically he can't score from, um, which fair play to him. Um, and I believe uh, there may have been another goalkeeping incident in the Liverpool game. And can I pass over to the correspondent um, in somewhere in Essex? There's been a goal in Anfield. Uh, oh, who's, who's got it coming? 
know. It's um, like who could be more shit after I just said he'd had a poor season as well. Like. So I thought so Vinicius what hang on. <laughs> Vinicius runs through and then what on earth has he done? He just clatters it at him. Just no... Becca just kicks it straight at Vinicius and it just loops back over him into the goal. That is hilarious. Yeah, it's so casual. <laughs> wow. That is so why he could just pass it to Virgil van Dijk right there. Is it, he looks like he's trying to pass back to Gomez. He does. Is that Gomez playing? Yeah. Yeah, it is, yeah. Oh, yeah. my word. I think that's um, shocking. Well, well, well if I you haven't watched the uh, Liverpool injury game, it's worth watching just for the stupid goals. <laughs> I would like to say it's also even better when John does the correspondence and moves his head away from the microphone because he goes oh, up sorry. an octave or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like you're on helium. It's great. You should listen back to it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, I think, Chris, uh, back to you in the studio. Mm. Um, can I just say quickly on the Eddie thing because I know we are pushed for time yes um, but his XG and I know not everyone is a big XG believer uh, his uh, XG for the season just in the Premier League uh, is 8.05 and he has four goals so it's about right it's you know he's yeah he's he's underperforming a little bit Mm. but it is only a little bit and I think another day the header that goes in you know yeah. there was, there's been other games where he's missed easier chances well the Man City think... header is the one isn't it yeah. that's the one yeah. where you say any striker worth yeah. his salt puts that Should away at least yeah. put it on target you know, yeah. is, is yeah, the that's... thing but um, yeah I've got a lovely lovely thing here it's got all his every single shot he's taken it's all colour coded for missed blocked hit the post or scored it's, it's a wonderful <laughs> website I should send to Danny I'm, I'm, oh, I'm not I'm not like worried about him per se. I just, I just feel that the concern is that other teams are going to look at us and go, "Well, they've got one striker. We've, we've just, we've just got to shut that one striker out of the game." Um, and this is where I'll, I'll come back to you, John, because this is where the uh, oh, Napoli are in front as well. Um, this is where the other part comes into this this discussion and how good Bakaya Saka is. I mean. All, all the plaudits are going to Marcus Rashford at the moment. And to be fair, rightly so, he, he is playing very, very well. Yeah. But this kid, Saka, I mean, to be honest, I don't really want to get into this debate of is he kicked too much or not enough because I'm just yeah. a bit bored by it. What I loved about him on, on Saturday was that he took a kicking and he just kept going. Yeah. He, he had that bit of spite where he, he got in Coutinho's face. And it was a poor challenge. Like he had every yeah. right to get in his face. But a bit of strapping, get on with it. This is a lad who was on the floor after England's hilarious loss to Italy. Um, you know, this is a kid who got racially abused, let's not forget, after that incident, which could have you know, mentally broken a, a lesser professional. He's played almost every game that season. I still remember that tweet that he put out during the lockdown season, which is just like a picture of him on the floor. And he's like, Gunners, you deserve better. And mm. I just, ever since then... He's just been relentless, played in the World Cup, you know, performed for England. He's he's just fantastic, isn't he? And that new deal is is so important. I don't doubt he'll sign it. I really I, I mean, to me, I think at this stage it's give him Martinelli's pen and just get him to write whatever numbers he wants on the sheet. For me, that's, yeah. that's what you do with that. But he is so vital, isn't he, that he continues to do the thing that some people were saying, oh. But he doesn't really get any goals. But he's changed that this season so much, hasn't he? He's so, such a threat in behind. Yeah, I mean, he's he's always. I mean, he's got been getting goals, but the consistency with which he does it now is kind of ridiculous. And we've seen teams double up or sometimes triple up on him. And I'll be honest, for him, it's obviously been a bit of a struggle in terms of the physicality. But that's 
if you're that good a player, you're just going to have to put up with it. You don't have a choice. That's just mm. going to happen. You, you, you know, look at any skillful, strong, physical player. Uh, Zaha, prime example. Some people, you can go the Zaha route and bitch and whine about it and have your few odd shiny moments in a season where he like really does well. Or you can do what Saka's doing and just get on with it. And that, and that is what he's doing. And, and long will that continue. And the other thing as well is teams are going to focus on him so much that all that does is free up an Enketia, Martinelli, Trossard, Erdegaard, you know, whoever else it is, because it's just going to open space up for those players. Um, I think that's the big thing with us, right? Is yeah. that we've got three, four players with plus or minus the same goals of probably what, three covers. Yeah, mo- the front, the front four, basically. The front They're all four. within three goals of each other, something like that. Yeah. Uh, which to me says that, yeah, shut down one of our players. At the moment, it looks like Martinelli is the one that's being shut down because he had that run, didn't he? Yeah. Lest we forget of uh, what five straight games, five goals. Mm. Suddenly, players tried to shut him down. It's now happening with Saka on the other side because Eddie had that run where he yeah. started scoring mm. loads. So it's gone out that way. And Odegaard, he's still in the middle, pulling all the strings. We've now got a guy in behind him who can play those passes just as well as he can in terms of Jorginho. So I think we've got a lot of options for picking locks. And mm. that comes down to the squad building, I think. And that's a credit to not only Arteta, but the team behind him as well for mm. identifying that we needed to bring that creativity back in and set them up in such a way that we've got multiple threats. Uh, and so, yeah. And, and he re- it reminds me a little bit of when, when Perez was in his his uh that that season that Pires had before he got that that injury where he, you know he would get kicked time and again and although you know Robert was a little bit more familiar with the ground than, than Saka was <laughs> he he would never stay down he would use that to his advantage that would fire him and he would just take on the game and go right well I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna destroy you then um and it's, and it's it's the same mentality that that Messi's had throughout his career it's what separates those those true greats from those like if you said if you said like what separates Neymar and Messi, for example, yeah. that they're both probably technically on a very similar level, however absurd that might sound. But the difference is even Ronaldo, to his to a lesser degree, when he was young, younger, roll around all over the place. The older they've got, they take kicks time and time again. They just get up. I guess where the um, the outcry is coming, and I know a lot of journalists have gone on this piece today, is like how much protection that he should be given before one of these kicks actually does give him a serious injury. And I do understand that, but I just think if you're Saka and, and you know that you can take a bit of a kicking, but you've got the, you know, you've got the opposition on strings, then you do, you literally do, you're, you're talking with your feet. Yeah. And I think the, see that uh, thing that, go on Josh. Yeah. I was going to say, there's also a hell of a lot of luck that goes into top level players careers. Yeah. Agreed. Messi could have easily have had a broken leg at some point in his career. Do you mm. think the Spanish league didn't doesn't put in some horrific challenges? Oh, he got they, smashed he's got career, some, didn't you? Yeah, the same with um, you could say in France again with Neymar. <laughs> seen some of the tackles that go in with Brazil. Yeah, if, if some of the centre backs were quick enough to get close to him, you know they would have snapped him in half, and mm. some of them did. So there's definitely a bit of luck that comes with these top level players. You can string off a number of top players you know we've got one of our ranks that's currently managing our under 18s who who if he didn't get smashed 
at one point with semi innocuous but definitely hateful challenges would have been a world beater um mm. we've got a list longer than some other clubs where we can pinpoint players like that um thinking about aaron ramsey probably one of the only players i can think of that came back not stronger from a broken leg but went More on to conti- yeah went on to continue playing well as well mm. um if i get my timeline right he has his broken leg and then goes into being what scoring 16 goals from midfield in a season where unfortunately due to a massive injury earlier in his career means he's injury prone for the rest of his life. Mm. So with Diaby, isn't it? One, you know, one very oh, bad yes. injury and, and it affected everything about how he recovered and the strength yeah. of the other leg, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I just think we're, I just think we're very lucky to have such a, and, and he, he strikes me as such a hump. I mean, he's a man of faith. Yeah. He, he's, he's obviously one of uh, one of the Highland Highland Academies come through the system all the way through, and he just strikes me as a very hardworking, sort of gratified, good good all round guy, like genuine good all round player. And and I, I did I, I I can all I can always you can always get the mark of a good player when the opposition supporters are booing him for no apparent reason. Like mm-hmm. Villa have absolutely no reason to boo him, and they spent the entire time booing him when he went down once, like took one bad tackle and then Villa booed him. And that's that's when you know you've got a good player in your hands when the opposition can't handle it. Uh Real Madrid should have been in front. Never mind. Um Paul Osnan in my pants the other day tweeted yes. um that Arsenal Asaka is the hundredth most fouled player in the Premier League. Yeah, he put the stats that. up for it. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's not right, but that is from transfermarket.com that says he is getting fouled on average one point eight two times a game. And then mm-hmm. someone else called um oh, I can't remember his name. It was uh Nope, it's gone. He went and got the FB ref one, and he is the ninth most fouled player with uh, 40 fouls. And the first is Zaha, AU, Grealish, Tony, Bowen, Guamar, Bruno, Arrhenio, <laughs> Brendan Arnonson, and then Saka. But, then, but, but I take on. exception to those stats because... It, it ju- it, that's just fouls that are given. Yeah, fouls that have been seen. <laughs> yeah, and, and and fouls that the incompetent referees of our league so actually give. At least double that. Yeah, uh, and and I think and I think back to um, and I I think Grealish is the example I think back to because when he was at Villa, he was kicked repeatedly, wasn't he? Like every single team that played him because, but it was different to to Man City because with Man City they've obviously got several different weapons in more ways than one. Um, but they've got they've got a lot of different sort of players to defend. Whereas I think at, at Villa he was clearly it's like you kick Grealish out of the game, you stop Villa. So yeah, I, I I do wonder if Saka is actually getting far more or should be getting far more fouls. I don't know. I I I just think as long as only he will tell you how he is. And I think a couple of podcasts have highlighted that. There's no way that he doesn't go into games carrying little knocks and niggles and bumps and bruises. But what I like about him is he's not a guy who's just going to cry and, you know, take another six to eight months off crying about it. He's just going to get on with it, isn't he? Six to eight weeks, rather. He's, he's just going to get on with it. Bit of treatment, strap me up. You know, Kieran Tierney's another one like that. You'd, you'd think any sort of long-term injury, fine, that's different. But a niggle, he's just, he's just going to play through it. Um, the, only, the only thing with Saka is we have to be careful as a as his club that we manage him correctly. And that's probably where Mikel might have to 
rethink it beyond this season because clearly we need him for every game this season. But when we do get back into Touchwood, Champions League, etc., we are going to have to be a bit more careful with the squad size and managing players like that because, as Martinelli's proved, you can't be in form all season. You're going to have peaks and troughs and that's when players need to come in and out of the team. So, yeah, um, I think all in all... I think all in all, we 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 can be happy with with what we got on on Saturday. Certainly, in terms of results, and and like I said, that Chris Wood goal was just the icing on the cherry on the cake, wasn't it? Um, because that leaves us in a position now where we have got the two point cushion. You know, the game in hand, I almost feel as a it's a little bit of a red herring because we've still got to go away to Man City. So if you if you just say that's a loss, then that's kind of the game in hand gone. I'm not saying we will lose, by the way. I'm just saying if you consider it as a game that we could potentially lose, then, you know, the home game with Everton doesn't really count as a game in hand. Um, I want to say hello to Sir Nicholas, by the way, who's in the uh, Twitch chat. We'd like to give a little salute to our Twitch buddies. So good evening to you. Um, We are, as I said at the start, we are a little bit pushed for time this week. So we are going to go into questions now. Uh, So if anyone has any questions, pop them in. We've got a few, I think, already. So, uh, Danny... Which ones have we got so far that you have noticed? I do you want to do them, John? Because I've we uh, very rarely see you because you're such a busy man. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, I don't want to hear you more than I want to hear me. Uh, all right. Well, just for that, then I'm going to ask you this first question uh. because you know you you know what all our upcoming games are from uh, Sai Ambush. Can we go on a winning streak? How many matches? And when could we have our next potential slump? <laughs> Leicester will be, Everton will be, uh, Leicester away will be, Everton at home will be, Bournemouth at home will be, Fulham away, they want a bit of a run, William will come back and haunt us, Crystal Palace at home will be, Leeds at home will smash, it's going to be Liverpool away on the 9th of April is going to be a tough one. Which I believe is after the international break. Yeah. Ah, plenty of Oh, God, remember those international breaks? Yeah. Aren't they yeah, so, fun? <laughs> I reckon another five or six games. But they're going Liverpool. I mean, we've seen tonight. I mean, I'm, I'm the only one not watching the game. They seem to be not having a great time of it. And I like the way we're now having pot shots. I've been, we've been saying, or I've been saying for ages, just have pot shots from nowhere. And we did it against Villa and we got a couple of goals out of it. Wonderful. It was the thing from which we didn't do at City, wasn't it? it didn't get mm. our shots away. And you know how angry Arteta gets when we don't mm. get shots away. Um, I think Smith Rowe said it last season that the manager said why don't you just fucking shoot you're not going to score if you don't yeah mm-hmm. all right uh, next question from fred thurbin uh josh uh, there are more billionaires slash states potentially coming into the league uh, man united liverpool although i do think the my sports said liverpool's now not for sale but who knows um what do you think is the short-term uh impact i assume he means uh, on the game say for the next five years will we see a breakaway league a salary spending cap etc oh um i suppose just to quickly talk on um, what fsg said um, yeah. now they're no longer for sale i think i, th- what, I think can't that's... sell yeah. can't sell i think mm. that's what john mm. w henry actually means is he can't yeah. find a buyer because who knows what he's smoking when he's uh <laughs> asking uh for whatever ridiculous fee um they want for um for liverpool anyway Yes, um, I think we're always going to see billionaires coming in. Um, I think you need to be a billionaire or at least some form of um, group 
of billionaires to afford a Premier League club now. Uh, it's very different when you've got state-backed entities coming in. That's um, It's interesting that you've got basically, I suppose to put it on a basic point of view, would you rather see clubs in private hands or in public hands that isn't your public um it's a difficult question i suppose um to answer i don't think we'll see a breakaway league um i think any talk of super league if i remember correctly and something that was completely missed by every um journalist that doesn't do their job properly was that this was instead of european fixtures not instead of domestic football domestic football was always going to continue as it was Uh, i would expect that perhaps we see um it'll come back in some tightening of of fp oh yeah Mm. the champions league is going to get rehashed at some point and uefa will keep fighting off a better way for a better way depending on who you say is better um, format for European football but yeah. for domestic football I can only see stronger sanctions for wheeler dealing shall I say um, yeah. especially as the government are threatening a outside regulatory yeah body. yeah the most worrying thing I can find I can see in it is if Man United get state backing because they're the only club in the world that I think don't need to hide their commercial revenue yeah. to pump in stupid money to put them by far and away uh, almost untouchable. But as we say, and as you can see right now, um, you can have as much money at United as you want, and still, if the system isn't there, you're still not. You're still going to be having well, Veghorst up front as your um, number ten. Mm. Um, Chris, Chris, this is a good one for you uh, from Crimson Pirate. Is Balogun better than Eddie? Not yet, but he has the potential to be so. I think he's he's developed. He's he's getting the opportunity to develop. I think the only the only comparison you can have is that Eddie went on loan to Leeds and didn't. Uh, he was very well liked at Leeds, by the way, under Bielsa, but he didn't get a huge amount of game time. Certainly, didn't get the, the level of goals that that Eddie's got. Um, that Balogun's got, sorry. And the difference is with Balogun, obviously he went to Middlesbrough and he didn't play a huge amount. He's now got this second loan and has found, you know, this this home for himself. I I think that I think they're on very similar trajectories right now. Um, the As I say, the difference is Balogun's playing week in, week out. That forward line at, at Rams is, is built around him and he's got a coach who literally says to him, go out and do your job. Did miss a penalty, should be said at the weekend. Um, had his penalty saved by Kasper Schmeichel. But um, yeah, he's he's definitely got the potential to be there. But I don't think he's, you know, Eddie's playing week in, week out for a Premier League team that's chasing the title right now. Whereas Balogun is obviously playing for a, a mid-table team in, in, around with without any expectations. So yeah. there's, there's nothing wrong with saying they're both good. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, well, we've got three more questions. We'll whiz, we'll that, whiz through really quick. Uh, Pete Colton, do you wish Arteta was more vocal regarding the kicking that Saka gets every game? If Ferguson was his manager, he would be banging on about it every press conference. Um, I'll take this one. Personally, for me, no. I actually think I like the way Arteta handles it and says that it's something Saka has to deal with because regardless of how much people talk about it, it's still going to happen. 
And if you can't live with that physicality, he's not going to be able to play his game because that is his game, is that he's just going to have to do that. I think the way he receives the ball is much smarter now, that sort of side on. He doesn't, you know, so he's not just getting cleared out from the back and sort of unexpected. Um, and also I think there's a danger that if you go on about it too much, you can make the player buy into it and almost get that victim mentality that you do see with certain individuals like uh, Zaha and, you know, th- there's a few others that, that kind of have that uh, everyone's against me sort of attitude. And, it, and if anything, it ends up, the referees just get annoyed with you for mm. constantly complaining. Um, so I think so far he's dealing with it quite well. And the, the best thing uh, is the fact that his teammates are dealing with it really well. The moment he jumped up at Coutinho, the entire team was there around him, protecting him yeah, um, and, and backing him up. So um, I think that's all good. Um, right. Two more quick questions because Chris really does have to run off. Uh, it's not all Chris's fault as well. I've got things to do. Um, Crimson Pirate, what pundit do you hate the most? Uh, right. I'll give you three all a chance to think of your most hated pundit. Mine is... Oh, mine's a straight split between Chris Sutton and Gary Neville. Chris Sutton is just an awful pundit. Gary Neville is a pretty good pundit unless he's talking about Man United or Arsenal, in which case he loses all rationality and says that, you know, it's okay to take money for Qataris because then I can talk about gay rights, but I'm still taking their money and not giving it to charity and I'm a, you know, hypocrite and scumbag. Anyway, um, so there's my two. Josh. Oh, um, it's really difficult because there is, this isn't because it's a um, a field of limited numbers, it's a field <laughs> of many numbers. Uh, I'm going to go straight in for two, Danny Mills, Gabriel Bonhoeffer. Nice. I like that. Double uh, double talk sport header uh, of baldness as well. Very good. Uh, Chris. It's not hard, this one. Jermaine Jenner's. What's that? Just awful. Just yeah, doesn't understand anything. And he so blatantly dicks Spurs in every commentary. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've heard Agbong Lahore, Chris Sutton and Danny Mills say sensible things at times before. I don't think mm. I've ever heard. I, I've never even, <laughs> I've never even heard Jermaine Jenner say something sensible on the one show, which has nothing to do with football. So, um, <laughs> And my second worst worst pundit is is Simon Collins. What an absolute! Oh, he's, he's terrible. He is. <laughs> I, I I heard a rumor that uh, apparently the trouble in the press box uh, may have yeah. involved someone with a slightly quiffed haircut. But you know. well, if if you notice on that footage when that guy's kicking off, Simon does clearly do the old. Yeah. Like, you know, he clearly yeah. started it. I mean, yeah. he's I, clearly I, looking around going, "Oh, I'm glad they didn't realise that was me." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I reckon he was pissed. I think he. he I, I heard he had there. stink bombs. He had stick yep. bombs and rolled them underneath. That was it. Never, never trust Collings. Um, Danny, your most hated pundit? Karen Carney. Oh, there's going to kick the ball, my suit. Oh, Lord. It's actually one of your better accents, huh? And who's that Irish bloke, black bloke, played for Ireland? Crystal Palace, English. Clinton Morrison? That fuckwit. <laughs> I talk like a baby. Is it that baby? He knows his stuff, but he talks like a baby. I can't stand him. And you've got Vicky Sparks with that horrible, oh, that accent she's got. It's messed up. I don't like it. Basically, women shouldn't be commentating on men's football, and oh, men shouldn't commentate on women's football. 
god. I don't want to see men commentating on women's football either. Leave it to the women. YouTube comments might need to be turned off this week because I can't can't deal with that again. On the upside, I suppose I can just say um, it's views like that. That's why Danny would work so well in the The podcasting department at The Athletic. Have you ever watched the athletic podcast with, with Chappers? He's like this the whole time. Got trying to get all of his fingers up his fucking nose and his <laughs> mouth and then up his nose. For, for, for the record, there are some very, very good female pundits out there. For the yeah, record. Kelly Cates. And um, for the record, me, me they, were mainly, well. they were mainly fired by the athletic last week yeah. um, for not guessing the numbers. Who's, um, who's gone? Yeah. Uh, the offside there, rule pod. The offside yeah. rule pod. Yeah, yeah. There, there is there is one just really quickly. Actually, there is one. There is one female yeah. pundit I can't stand. I think she's called. I think she's called Melissa Reddy. I think she's called. Mm. She was over in Qatar. She she honestly she just makes up as she goes along. She's very pretty. Now, I don't want to cast aspersions on how she got where she got, but. She's very pretty. Um, that's it's it. the only way I got on this podcast. Absolutely. It's yes, the only reason I got the hosting gig, you know. I was, that was the face. But my, my all-time favourite duo to do every single sports show, Kelly Cates and Ian Wright, you are never, ever going to beat that. Laura Woods is pretty have, good. Yeah, I Laura Woods yeah. is good. Yeah. I thought you was going to say Grey and Keys. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 Harry hands and Bolding. And the, and the scary thing is, in the, de- in the day, they were the best. That's the scary part. Like... As in, yeah, yeah. Well, that's amazing. Amazing what happens when you, uh, yeah, amazing what happens back in the good old days. Women, back in the good old days, you go home and knock your wife around. And no, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm, we're not joking about that. But no, in in the old days of Sky, that they they were the best. But um, you know, just but then Ron Atkinson was a brilliant co-commentator, and that didn't end very well, did it? So no, no, no it didn't. <laughs> Times have a changed, people. Times Hoddle have a changed. had very progressive views. Uh, and also, Alan Shearer is very good now. I tweeted this on yeah. Saturday. No, so he's, he's, good he's, come yeah. on, he's come on leaps yeah. and bounds. He's, he's very, very good now. Yeah. Uh, is, that, maybe is that good enough five. to justify his salary, by the way? <laughs> no. I mean, I, I don't uh, pay BBC. I don't have no. a TV licence. No, I, of course, I. I don't watch Match of the Day or anything else ever. We go to the Seattle's <laughs> front of Radio Rentals and watch it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and by the way, just to confirm, um, Phil... I can confirm that would never happen. John's far more likely than me. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> right? Are we? Um, are we all done then? I'm just. I'm waiting yeah. for the nudge for my phone call, which will be imminent any second now. But uh, we're all yes, done. all done. Splendid. Right? Um, yes, I have um, some work-related stuff that I have to go and attend to, and John has has uh, mysteries of the night to go and go and uh, have fun with. So, um, and I've got and I'm sure Josh is I'm sure Josh has got like a burger that he's got to create that's made out of bubbles or something. I don't know. I've already that? eaten dinner. Um, oh, I've okay. probably got to um, produce said um, post meal treat. Right. Sexy dance on the table again. I don't, yeah. don't even want to know what that might be, to be fair. It'll, um, it'll involve an avocado. It always does with his young yeah. people. That's why yeah. they've got no money. And, and yep. I'm sure Danny's got at least like four skipfuls of of uh, Tassimo coffees to get through tonight, or whatever it is oh, he does. Mama, it does at night. But uh, we will be back. Um, preview show, Danny for Leicester. Are you are you bothering to do it's one? It's going to be on. It will be on the Friday. I'm going to try and get some uh, some different people on that I, I forget to go. on. If anybody sees Jeff Arsenal or Femi, let us know because we haven't heard or seen from either. I mean, I sent Jeff a message in November. He still hasn't read it. Well, you know what it is, don't you? They're both rich. 
So they don't need to. They don't need to respond to messages. That's what it is. I think it Jeff is. and Femi have taken all all the two pound fifty that we've made off YouTube for the past three years, and and um, they've run. And they've Phil gave us a tenner last week. Look, Phil is our is our is our um, uh, sugar daddy. Not a legend. I, you say we you. I've yes. not seen any of that tenner. I've seen nothing of it. <laughs> not a penny. <laughs> Oh dear. Right. We are going to get out of here then on that note. So um, thank you to those who've been with us live, both on YouTube and uh, Twitch. Um, as usual, if you are, especially on, on YouTube or well, actually on both platforms, do give us a follow, um, flick the uh, the like button, uh, leave us a review. Um, if you're not moaning, put a comment in the YouTube. If you are moaning, then I'll just come after you in the comments. So just don't, don't waste my time or yours. Um, but uh, no, in all seriousness, thank you for tuning in because without you lot, it would be just three blokes or four blokes just wittering on about nothing which to be fair is exactly what we do anyway but you know you still tune in so whatever but thank you all for tuning and we appreciate it very much uh, john josh danny thank you all for your company this evening Cheers. i'll be available to podcast elsewhere when we inevitably get cancelled due to danny's views <laughs> yeah yeah not started it this has been the final Buckup <laughs> Wonderland ever to be produced before we all get Ten shut years. down. Ten miracle, you, who'd have thought? You, you, know, you know that meme when it's like, FBI, open up! And that, that's <laughs> yeah. going to be us. That, that'll be us tomorrow morning. Anyway, uh, until we pop up on another platform under a different moniker, uh, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate you. We love you. Keep it Arsenal. And we'll speak to you very soon. Take care. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog. Splendid business. He nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I was just eating a full quiche. Well, you don't often see them at him, so when you see them in the supermarket, they need to be swagged, microwaved immediately, and get the brown sauce on one. Bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt. <laughs>